substantial parts of the land that will be flooded by the uh, proposed dam wall raising are designated formally as World Heritage and a larger area of national park around it is also recognised in the World Heritage documents themselves as being essential to the integrity of the World Heritage area. Our podcast today is looking at the proposal to raise the Warragamba Dam wall by up to 17 metres. The Warragamba Dam is located in western Sydney and we currently have about 70,000 people living on its floodplain. It's predicted that by 2050, another 134,000 people will move to the area. In a previous podcast with Jamie Pittock, we actually revealed that the rationale for raising the dam wall is flawed, as a higher dam wall will not be able to protect those residents in high flood risk areas in Western Sydney. Climate change is gonna make these big floods much more likely. So alternatives need to be found like roads to enable people to leave during floods. Another option, of course, is to stop developing the floodplain due to the risks it presents to people, their families and their homes. The big concern for me, as someone who cares about our rivers, is that raising the dam wall will inundate, which means to flood, over 6,000 hectares of United Nation World Heritage Listed National Park. Worryingly, much of this landscape that is to be inundated already has the highest level of formal legal protection available for endangered ecosystems in Australia, yet the proposal is still going ahead. The area is also of high cultural significance for the Ngandangara people, with 1,500 sites at risk. To discuss these issues further, we're here with the Honourable Bob Debus, former Attorney-General and Minister for the Environment and Minister for the Arts from the Blue Mountains electorate. Between 1981 and 2009, Bob has held a range of positions in the New South Wales and Federal Government, and he's a strong advocate against the proposal to raise the Warragamba Dam Wall. He's chair of the Kolong Foundation for Wilderness, which is leading an alliance of organisations campaigning against the dam. Let's talk to Bob now. Well, welcome, um, Bob. It's lovely to have you with me today. Um, I'm talking to you from Nunawal country here in Canberra. Uh, where are you this morning? Well, I'm also in Nunawal country at the moment, but of course, particularly interested in uh, uh, the the Blue Mountains, uh, which is Darak, and for these purposes, particularly Gundungurra country. Thanks, Bob. Thanks so much. Yes. Um, so you must be close to me this morning. In the Canberra area. <laughs> Look, I, I think for many people, they're not aware of um, the Warragamba Dam wall proposal to be raised. But I just wanted to ask you why the Blue Mountains is special to you, because I know it's been your electorate for a long time. Um, what is it about that place that is so special for you? Well, I've noticed since childhood uh, I spent 30 years living there, uh, and it was uh, my electorate. Uh, but I was myself deeply engaged in the process that led to the inscription uh, of the Greater Blue Mountains area on the list of World Heritage. Uh, you know, at that moment, and 
it was list, listed for World Heritage because of its particular characteristics uh, around its, the the uh, uh, the eucalypt species, but in the background for its astonishing uh, it, it's it's astonishing geomorphology, uh, for its association with Aboriginal culture and indeed with uh, European culture in the last couple of centuries because in many ways it's the, it's the cradle of conservation in Australia. Uh, all of these things, together with the straight-out physical beauty of the, of the cliffs and forests of the mountains, uh, has led me, obviously, to have the strongest of feelings towards it. So uh, in 2000, it seems like a great achievement to be on the World Heritage List. Uh, and you know what World Heritage is. I mean, you, it, there's a recognition that the area being uh, listed has what are called uh, outstanding universal values, but it is also, in its essence, a promise by the nation who has nominated the listing that it will protect that area forever. It doesn't mean much unless you actually understand that you're going to protect it forever. That's the purpose. It's outstanding in the world. So in the year 2000, the, the federal uh, minister, Robert Hill, and I were present at a ceremony at Govett's Leap uh, to commemorate this uh, momentous event. Um, really large numbers of citizens of the Blue Mountains came along. Everybody was overjoyed. And of course, we thought, all of us thought, that the Blue Mountains, the Greater Blue Mountains area, it's really seven national parks, uh, was protected forever. And then 16 years later, hardly forever, 16 years later, uh, parts of the New South Wales government came along and just announced they were going to flood the area in, it, in its core, what's more, in, in, uh, in the area that some of the areas that are in many ways the most precious, the wild river, like the, the Cowmung. The Cowmung's designated by me uh, as, a, as a wild river, I believe, in 2005. But there we are. Uh, and at the same time, there are any number of other threatened species which will be impacted by the, the, uh, uh, the increase in the size of the Warragamba Dam Reservoir. And in any event, uh, substantial parts of the land that will be flooded by the uh, proposed dam wall raising are designated formally as World Heritage and a larger area of national park around it is also recognised in the World Heritage documents themselves as being essential to the integrity of the World Heritage area. Uh, all of this proposed without the slightest uh, indication of any understanding of the enormity uh, of, the, uh, of the incursion that was proposed. I mean, it, it seems, you know, this is one of the reasons that the Australian River Restoration Centre has decided to really, you know, join the alliance and make a stand, because I do find it just, I just find it really confusing to have in the same sentence flooding a world heritage area. Like it just, it it doesn't make any sense to me. And I think that that's why I think many people are probably grappling with that idea. Um, 
and and you would you know with the world heritage listing that that's not um an insignificant thing to achieve there has to be a whole range of really as you said these incredibly important universal values um what are some of those values what how do they as described well the very specific value uh, uh, that backed up the world heritage listing concerns the diversity of eucalyptus species and their evolution within the area. But mm. against that background, as I was saying, they're yeah. extraordinary geomorphology. There are not many other examples in the world of such a, a, a large area of such deeply dissected sandstone plateaus. But you have, at the, at the same time, uh, uh, an extraordinary array of species, of animal and plant species, some of them threatened. Um, and behind that, you have the, the cultural associations, first and foremost, the Aboriginal cultural associations, but also, as I have said, the, the, the European associations. You know, it was, it was in the Gross Valley, just across the ridge from the, uh, the valley that we're most concerned about at the present time, where uh, a, a group of, of, of bushwalkers uh, first purchased a block of land, uh, which is called the Blue Gum Forest, in one of the, as it were, the, the foundation actions of conservation in Australia. And uh, that, that, that tradition has continued. So we're talking about an area rich in association, uh, beautiful in appearance, with a lot of other ecologically significant qualities. And uh, the government of New South Wales proposed the, 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 the project uh, without even admitting that it was going to have an impact on, a, on, on an area such as this. They also made the proposal on a admitted assumption that the population of the Hawksbinopean floodplain would itself double between now and 2050. Mm -hmm. And this was presented uh, in the, the documents an announcing the proposal to the world uh, about five years ago, I think, four or five years ago, as something that was inevitable, as if it's not within the power of the government itself to restrict development on the floodplain, as if it's not totally rational and consistent with the best uh, international um, practice to uh, actually uh, withdraw settlement from floodplains. Here we are uh, in what is widely uh, believed to be the most dangerous floodplain on the east coast of Australia, airily assuming a doubling of the population. Mm. So behind the detail of the proposal. There are a number of assumptions that are, were, are, and, and I instantly recognised to be just unacceptable, mm. just not, not sensible. It's not a matter of, it's not a matter of a, 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 a you know, unobscure uh, belief or assumption about uh, the ecology of the area. It's not. A, uh, a belief or an assumption about some extraordinarily uh, 
unlikely event that will occur down on the floodplain. In both cases, we're talking about quite concrete uh, problems that are just trying to be wished away. Yeah, I, I think that's one of the things that disturbed me the most was the thought of somebody purchasing a property on the floodplain, believing that a raised dam wall would protect them. And we know that that's actually just not the case, that an extra 14 or 17 metres is not going to stop those big floods. Um, and and that's, that's my understanding is that, uh, you know, it's a floodplain, it's going to flood. Uh, what do you make of that in terms of how, how people can still still be reassured that the dam's somehow going to protect them? I, I agree that uh, one of the most troubling elements of all is the, one, one's understanding that this is a proposal to put a lot of people in the path of danger. Yeah. We, broadly speaking, we know that a raised wall of this nature, the raising of the dam further, will uh, have some effect on small floods. Mm. In other words, floods that don't matter much. That is to say, on those floods that will have their origins in the Warragamba catchment, but there are other tributaries of the Hawkesbury Nepean River. The, the, well, there's the Nepean itself, there's the Gross River, there's South and Eastern Creeks, further down there's the Colo River. Uh, obviously, a dam wall has no effect on those catchments. And historically, it uh, depends who you talk to, but historically something between 40 and 60% of the big floods come out of those other streams, not, not, not down, the down the Warragamba River at all. Uh, so, but... The next rule of thumb is that the bigger the rain event, the less effect the dam will have. And actually, it's not all that hard to understand. The Warragamba catchment's very big. Uh, you know, the, the, the Wallandilly stretches far down to the south. Cox's River running into the, in, into the dam stretches out to Lithgow. And... What happens is that if the catchment gets saturated, then there's enormous runoff and the extra airspace created by the raising of the dam wall becomes less and less relevant. So that even in the floods of last March, the, uh, uh, the, the dam began to spill quite soon. And that was, it, you know, it's not hard for that catchment to get a couple of Sydney harbours of water in it in a day. So in a really big event, the raised dam wall doesn't have much effect at all. It's all, it's going to come out. So, and what, what are we worried about in the, in the circumstances? Well, we're obviously we're worried about big floods and the bigger the flood, the more worried we are. The bigger the flood, the less, the less value of any sort there is in the raised dam wall. So what we're talking about here is a, is a from, to my mind, a deeply flawed proposal which, which dismisses other forms of flood management uh, pretty cursorily. Uh, and, and 
perhaps the best, the best, uh, uh, the best proof of all of the proposition I'm putting is that the insurance industry of Australia, the Insurance Council, the uh, largest uh, or the, the peak body of the, the insurance industry, has pulled away from support for the raised dam wall. And the largest insurance company in Australia, IAG, no, sorry, IG, IAG, IG has, yep. has explicitly withdrawn its support for the dam wall as the, you know, as, as the, uh, as the solution uh, for management of the floodplain. The insurance company, reasonably enough, is saying we still want a lot of new extra measures for flood control. We want, we, in other words, they're saying we want a holistic solution. We want to be looking at all kinds of flood management, uh, one of the most basic sort of forms of which is, is, is not to build any more houses in the most exposed places. But now we have a situation where the only substantial uh, body in the community that is supporting the, uh, uh, the dam wall, apart from one local government council, is the, is the property industry. Now, you know, it's pretty obvious, isn't it? If you're a property developer, you can come in, build a house, sell it and take your profit and you're off. But if you're the insurance industry, in a sense, you're there forever. Uh, I, know, I know which group I'm inclined to take the more notice of. Yeah, I mean, that, that's really telling. I, I didn't know that. I, that just seems a very compelling reason for not uh, purchasing on the floodplain. Is there a particular target audience these property developers are going for, do you think? Um, you know, it just, it just seems so morally wrong to me. Well, uh, I, yes, I, I, I think you'd call it the state cabinet. Right. Okay. Yes, got you. So um, what alternatives are there? Like you've mentioned a few of them in terms of better roads. Um, what, what could that floodplain potentially be turned into so that it's still of benefit to that community without it necessarily being a site for more housing? Well, uh... It's, it's quite a large floodplain. There's already lots of development there. So you have, you have to have a quite sophisticated uh, a, approach to sensibly deal with flood management. Yeah. Obviously, uh, you have to have um, planning regulations which uh, restrict the kind of development that can occur. Obviously, you need to do all the work that you sensibly can on local flood management. There's lots of things that can happen. You know, new building on the floodplain changes flood behaviour anyway. But local government councils in that area know an awful lot about the way water behaves, uh, uh, you know, out amongst the, 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 the areas that are being built upon. And so there's much more work to be done there. And and, uh, and and financed. You know that all whatever dam is there is going to get overtopped at some time or other. So what you also need to have is proper, uh, well-designed methods for the evacuation of residents who are going to be affected. If a flood comes up very quickly. Uh, as 
It's actually often the case in the Hawkesbury Nepean Valley, then a very large number of people have got to get moved at short notice. And that means you've got to have good roads. Um, some of those hearing this broadcast will, will know that there's a viaduct uh, that runs from Windsor to the area of McGrath's Hill. It's called the Jim Anderson Bridge, I believe. Uh, that was built in the early 2000s. Uh, I, I was there when it happened yeah. in the government. And it's a great benefit in that respect. But we need more of that kind of thing because there's been a lot of development since that time. We need more of that kind of thing. Um, seems pretty, pretty straightforwardly sensible, doesn't it? Mm, it does. It does. And it, it, it sort of seems like it's a lot more of a, I, I think it's one of the things we often find in the environment um, with some decision making is that it's very short term. It's not looking at that longer term outlook um, of how this area is going to be in 20, 50, however many years, let alone the short term, which is when we get another flood, that area is going to get flooded again and people will be put at risk. Yes. Well, yes. And, I mean, people are used to dealing with floods. Some mm. changes have been made. There are some safeguards in place. Of course that's true. Mm. You just need more of it. Mm. Especially if you're anticipating that we could, in the uh, in the predictable future, have bigger events. Mm. I, I think it speaks a lot to our psychology, isn't it? I've, I've been reflecting quite a bit about how, as humans, we like things to be certain. So often we build infrastructure like we'll, we'll make the dam more bigger because that will make it certain that we can stop the floods. And yet the nature of life, as COVID has shown us, is that it's incredibly uncertain. Um, what do you think that speaks to our institutions in terms of dealing with that what we actually need to be is more flexible in the face of uncertainty. Yes, I, I of course that's true. And uh, we you know, obviously we need to think about ways and, and in fact to implement arrangements that will make us more resilient in the face of uh, bushfire and flood and indeed, you know, longer term sea level rise. Yeah. Yep. We we do we do need to think about those things now. It's not as if we're incapable of it. We are much better prepared to deal with floods and bushfires now than we were fifty years ago. Mm. Not just a little bit better. In fact, very much better. In the case of floods, there has been you know, quite a lot of levee building uh, around uh, um, towns and settlements in river valleys keep it fairly local, in New South Wales, quite a lot. And they have saved those places from um, you know, numbers of flood incidents in the last 30 years. A good deal of the uh, potentially uh, developed area, developable area in uh, the Hawksmanopean uh, is, is it, it, it can't be protected by levees. It's a, it's a physical thing. Yeah. So that makes it a bit harder. But what that means is we have to be a bit more prudent. Yeah. 
um, and and uh, it, it's a paradox because both professionally earlier in my life and now I remain very concerned about the proper management uh, of the Hawkesbury Nepean uh, Valley and the the uh, the facilities that are located there. It's just that building a bit more on top of a dam and ruining uh, environmental values above the dam wall is going to do very little indeed to assist in the uh, management of uh, 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 you know natural disasters below the dam wall. Yeah, yeah, and it's, I mean, and and we're not talking, you know, just a little bit of damage. It, it's major damage. Like I know we, there's a species of um, Blue Mountains perch, which isn't found anywhere else in Australia that would be threatened. There's the Regent honey eater. There's um, threatened ecological communities as well. I guess um, for some people who haven't seen these things, it's hard to imagine why that's so important. But... Um, as someone involved in trying to, to save threatened species, it really is heartbreaking to think that when you've got these small pockets of environment left where these animals can survive, that, um, you know, something like this can actually just flood them out. Or or I think in this case, it, it's more that it'd get inundated and then it'd, it'd, get, it'd go up and down a lot more and it would be a lot deeper. That's what's going to happen, isn't it? That's right. Hmm. The plan, the, the, the alleged uh, uh, strategy for using this extra a, extra airspace would be to hold back water uh, for a certain period and and release it slowly. Mm. Um, who knows what will actually happen into the future? However, I mean, we we can't. We it's impossible to guarantee that this raised water. Uh, won't become some kind of permanent arrangement. But if it's merely intermittent flooding, it will still cause terrible ecological damage in particularly uh, uh, rich or ecologically rich areas. Mm. The banks of the rivers and streams, uh, uh, 65 kilometres of wild rivers and streams, as well as the 6,000 hectares. So, and there's another kind of implication, isn't there? We have not merely World Heritage Protection, but National Park Protection and Wild River Declarations over all this area. And the government has seen fit to simply announce that it's going to, uh, it's going to ruin bits of it. It's one thing to say that you're going to uh, cause some kind of uh, intrusion in land that's uh, not otherwise protected. But if you can do it in the middle of what is, in fact, probably in legal terms, the most heavily protected part of New South Wales, well, what else can you do? Yeah, that, that's the thing. I mean, what precedent does that set for some of our other really majorly important areas? There is a question of legal and moral obligation. Mm. I mentioned before that when, when you list something for World Heritage, we have a number of other properties listed, obviously, around the country on World Heritage, and our nation has been very proud of them. 
Um, since the 1980s, we've been proud to list, uh, you know, Lord Howe Island and the Barrier Reef, um, uh, Ningaloo, mm. uh, on the on the, on the list of World Heritage. Mm. The forests of northern New South Wales, the southwest wilderness of Tasmania. We've been proud of this, and yet. And yet, suddenly it can just be announced. And now, now it can be said that really, well, really, we're not going to do any damage to it. We didn't think to mention it to you in the first place, but anyway, we're not going to do any damage to it. Um, it it's entirely implausible, entirely implausible. Anyway, what it, we rely more and more on our capacity to be able to protect substantial tracts of our country is not just a matter of saving species. It's a matter of more effectively dealing with climate change. Mm. Quite possibly, quite possibly up to a third of the necessary abatement of greenhouse gas emissions between now and 2050 could be achieved by improved protection of of uh, natural land and the restoration of uh, disturbed land across the world. Well, our, our present plan is to go into the middle of the most heavily protected part of the state of New South Wales and change it willy-nilly without any serious community discussion. So, so uh, Given my background, uh, I'm I'm as worried about the the legal and ethical implications of what's being done as I am about the ecological implications. I th I think that's what's motivated us um, at the River Restoration Centre to say this is of such importance because for me it was the moral issue um, that that really worried me that people would have this false sense of security but also that obviously for us it's the rivers I mean for, for those people who have never looked at what these rivers look like I, I really encourage you to just google image um, Kobung or Cox's or just Blue Mountains if you haven't looked at it recently and just yes. look at this stunning stunning part of our country so look, yeah. as we come to an end here, Bob, what can people do? Like, it's not a fait accompli. It, it's in an exhibition phase at the moment, the environmental impact statement. Um, and certainly I know lots of people who are going through that statement um, with worried looks and raised eyebrows at some of the things that are in it. So we'll certainly be making a submission. What does a submission involve? Well, the best suggestion I can make is that people go to our colon website or actually you go to the you, you, you go to the website called you'll use the link giveadam.org.au giveadam one word.org.au and there you will find a, a a submission a submission form and a guide which has been uh, prepared by Colong staff uh, to assist people to, to 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 make a submission to the uh, in, in response to the exhibition of the EIS. You can do it through the website of Sydney Water, but uh, th I'm, this is very mysterious to me. It's really hard to get through 
all the obstacles that are put up to to to, to find the portal itself. Yep. If you if if you want an easy life, or at least an easier life, go to giveadam.org.au, and uh, you'll be free to express your opinions rather than rather than uh, uh, fight the difficulties and obstacles that Sydney Water is offering. Yeah, I think it's the Water New South Wales portal there um, that you'll be going through. And yes, I agree with Bob. It's it's pretty tortuous to get through that one. So we're certainly uh, going to be using the Give a Damn uh, submission page and we'll provide that link for people um, on our podcast page for anyone that's interested. I think the other important thing to make is that you can make a submission. Um, you don't necessarily have to be a river expert or anything like that. You can just say, this is wrong. I don't think it should go ahead for these reasons. And there um, are a number of prompts on that submission page that can help you to do that. And we really do encourage you to do it um, for all the reasons that Bob's talked about. World Heritage, morally and ethically, highly questionable and worryingly, and of course, it's a World Heritage Area. So if we're doing that in a World Heritage Area, that's a real concern for those other special parts um, of Australia. Bob, have you got any sort of final words for our listeners about this, um, words of encouragement perhaps? <laughs> oh, well, you're right that the uh, the the, uh, the game's not over. Mm. Uh, mm. The work of the Colong Foundation has held up the uh, preparation of the EIS over quite a number of years, really. Uh, but the EIS is there now. It, it in my view, uh, makes scarcely any persuasive proposition about, uh, about why this thing should go ahead. The really, people must decide for themselves. But I'm left with the I'm left with the very strong impression that none of the crucial propositions are in fact proven. Mm. Mm. Uh, above all, above all, this dam won't stop floods. It'll just interrupt some small ones. Yeah. And we are sacrificing an enormous amount for that small. Uh, that small apparent benefit, but actually, it's no—it's not a good thing anyway for us to be building more housing on the floodplain. Mm. Yeah, and and that's that's the thing, listeners. We really encourage you to go and do your own research. Um, obviously, we we're raising the issue here as something for you to go and investigate. Um, for myself, yes, as I've said, we'll be putting a submission in and we are committed to spreading the news far and wide that this is something for people to really take some time to examine and come to your own view about what should be done. A big thank you to you, Bob, and for all your efforts on this issue and on so many others. Uh, and thank you for listeners. We'll talk to you again soon. Bye for now. Thank you.